right, you know how I like eggs. I, I've heard that about you. I'm familiar. Yeah, it's a rumor that I've heard circulating. Pretty legendary for it. I love it. I love an egg. Be very fond of an egg. I like egg when you do many things to it. You could devil it if you want. I don't give a shit. If it's an egg, I'm all in favor. So, you know, not too from, fond of scrambly myself, but you know what? Scrambly egg is better than no egg. It's what I'm told. Yeah, yeah. I'll eat it scrambly wise. Don't give a shit. So, I've started watching um, television. Um, at night. That's 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 brave of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I bought like Hulu Live TV just for AEW and and like WWE, but I don't really watch WWE anymore because it's a big ghoul that looks like a company, and I don't use it otherwise. So I just sort of like just sort of whack channel on at night um mostly new stuff because of these uncertain times and one thing that that has brought me into contact with is a new generation of infomercials that i've never oh. seen because i stopped watching normal tv like a thousand years ago yeah i suppose that would be a thing i've 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 not watched broadcast tv in probably the last seven years it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never... I, I've never seen those infomercials appeal to me. Like, the Magic Bullet commercial makes me laugh. Right. But I've never been tempted to use a Magic Bullet. However... Uh-oh. The Egg Pod, <laughs> which claims to perfectly cook eggs and detach the shell and would make egg salads and deviled eggs faster and easier, does have my attention. You simply add water, place your eggs, cook in the microwave, shake the egg pod, and uh, the shell apparently slides right off. And that'd save me a hell of a lot of time and effort. I will tell you, there are some incredible YouTube videos of people attempting to use this. <laughs> There's some very good ones out there. This is why I brought this up. Yeah. Because I ain't fucking buying an egg pod until I know that it works. Right. I've been told the magic bullet is actually all right. I've never used one. But ever since I heard that, I'm like, maybe some of them are legit. And, <laughs> and this one's called the Egg Pod. I mean, you can't argue with a name like the Egg Pod. I do have to just check. The magic bullet, what is that? Because, because my brain has gone somewhere and I don't think that's what there's an infomercial for. Oh yeah, no, it totally, <laughs> totally sounds like a sex toy. Oh yeah, it's not for people, it's not for people to sling up themselves. No, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, the like bu bullet vi vibrator no. things. No. <laughs> like, infomercials have gone somewhere since I've been paying attention. No, you just put things in it and mash it up and then you've got food to eat. Oh, is it, uh... A very good blender. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's basically got a an hilarious infomercial um, that if you watch it enough times um, on a Sunday morning, you will create intricate lore for it. Um, it's 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 a masterpiece. But anyway, Eggpod um, had my attention because, as we've established, I'm a bucker for an egg. Now, that was on its own notable. About two minutes later. A commercial for the Ped Egg comes on. What's what's the Ped Egg? The Ped Egg has nothing to do with eggs. Is it a pedicure device that's shaped like an egg by any chance? Well, here's the thing. It's a pedicure device 
that wants to make you think it's shaped like an egg, but it's not because you can't shape, you can't shape a, a skin smoothing roller like an egg. So what they've done is it's got like a little roller at the front, like a little tiny steam roller, like a mouse would use. And the handle is sort of a bit eggish. And they thought that was good enough to warrant Pedeg for a name, which, let's be honest, isn't even a very good name. Is, is this, they, they, they were desperate, they needed a pun, and Pedeg was the closest they could get to a pun, so now it has to be egg-shaped. All I know is, the commercial promised smooth, sexy feet, and I want in on the ground floor. I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching some videos about this Pedeg now. Look up it's, the Pedeg. And, and the, the egg pod, the many egg things, there's... These are some weird devices. There's a lot of egg-based paraphernalia. And as I was watching the commercial for the Ped Egg, which promised smooth, sexy feet, I wondered if I got it with the egg pod, could I use it to create smooth, sexy eggs? So that also is something I want listeners if they've done it. I assume I'm not the only one who's considered this. Um, Let me know, listeners, if you've done that. Can you get smooth, sexy eggs? I've just had a look. You're right. That ped egg is not really shaped like an egg, huh? No. The handle is kind of an oval. It's it's the... It's shaped like an egg the way a soft rhyme rhymes with something, and it it doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't. Orange and lozenge don't rhyme. Yeah, half an egg cut down... Like, they're trying to do this, like, this some kind of hard-boiled egg cut down the middle shape, and it just doesn't... It's not an egg. That's not an egg. Where's the yolk, damn it? <laughs> I want to crack open my pedicure machine and there'd be a runny inside. Where's yes! the yolk? <laughs> How do I moisturize? I've missed an egg. Now, we've we've all had a, a real laugh talking about egg products, but this is where it takes a turn for, in my opinion, the Twilight Zone, because there was a third egg commercial. Are you sure that you didn't tune into... um? Oh, what was the the channel um, that that did the the too many cooks thing where they they'll play weird random infomercials that are just designed to troll you at two a.m. Like, are you sure you didn't tune into one of those? No, no. Like, here is the big the big gag. We're just gonna we're gonna see how many egg based infomercials we can give you in a row before you realise that it's a goof. No, this was this was this was grown up television, and they wanted me to know about easy eggs. <laughs> Which was a third product, which, which is a real fork in the road, because it only performs half the function of an egg pod. But I don't know if it does it better. It only does the sh- the deshelling bit. You've got to cook it y- yourself. But it does promise that it would be a family celebration when you do it. <laughs> so you know, get the family back together. That'd be nice. Ah. Shake off shells, which the egg pig renders obsolete. That's how I wrote that last night. So I don't want to linger too much on egg pig, but I do want to linger on it a little bit because that could take many forms. I will never purchase anything off of an infomercial, but like I oddly enjoy the weird universes in which they exist. The sort of there's something about that magical realm of, of an infomercial commercial of like Hey, do you have this problem that literally no one on the planet has? Oh yeah, there was one on last yeah. night for um, a concealer spray. Like you, 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 you spray on your face and it like puts your skin tone on it and hides blemishes and whatnot. And they, 
like shows the application of other concealer products as basically someone just smushing their fist <laughs> into um, a you know a palette of concealer which had been drowned in water and then just smushing it on her face until she looked like fucking Clayface from Batman. It, and and <laughs> that is how I use it. So I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to getting the spray. The the main issue here is that the Easy Eggs comes with a free egg slicer, which oh. does fit in well with my plans. <laughs> I think the thing I miss about malls more than anything is that they'd have that store oh, that yeah. just sold the shit that they showed on TV. Yeah, the the as seen, seen on, on TV, TV aisle. There's yeah. one in the mall in in Philadelphia right here. We um, I, me and Justin wandered into it when we were. Uh, at the studio one time it's just full of all that shit if there's an egg pod in there i might pick it up <laughs> i mean as 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 the decline of the mall continues that's going to be the real loss in the end isn't it uh, the place yeah. that you can go and see all the things that you saw on tv and take them home with you it's like meeting a celebrity right except except it'll also make an egg in a shell for you <laughs> Which is better than any celebrity. No celebrity has ever cooked me an egg. Andy Dick's not going to come over to your house and cook and shell an egg for you. No. That's not happening. He, he has cooked an egg, but it, but I had to de-shell it. I have had a realization, Jim, about, about you've been looking at this all wrong about which products you should get to take the shells off your eggs. Okay. You shouldn't be looking at the easy egg or the, the, the egg pod. You should be using the ped egg because that is designed for getting the rough outer edges off of things that are soft underneath. Use the ped egg to to get through the shell. That circles right back to smooth, sexy eggs, which <laughs> yeah, smooth, sexy egg. The, the solution was under my nose the whole time, and 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 you pointed it out to me, and I want to thank you for that. And and I'm just saying. That I don't believe the egg pod would change my life. But if it worked exactly as advertised, it genuinely would change my life. <laughs> if you change the way I interact with eggs, you have transformed my life. Are you willing to take the chance that there's something out there in the world that could change your relationship with making eggs and you've just let it pass you by? Well, I, I'm willing to bet that <laughs> someone listening to this has taken the chance on an egg pod. And will tell me if it's okay. I need someone to be my egg pod canary. There's a free egg slicer in it for you. I can't guarantee a free egg slicer. I don't know if I'm getting the easy eggs is the thing. And if you get the easy eggs, you're going to need that egg slicer. That egg slicer is mine. Yeah. Hell yeah. Did I not tell you? Egg salad and deviled eggs could be, could theoretically be mine in a fastier, fastier and easier capacity. <laughs> You almost said Faustian, and that might also be true. <laughs> I would love a Faustian egg pact. <laughs> oh, there's not many things I'd sell myself for, but eggs. But an eternity of eggs? An eternal eggs. If you could just clap your hands and there's pre-prepared deviled eggs for you. I oh, see. Now that is, that's one of the great things about going home to visit my family is that my mother will always make like two dozen deviled eggs and just oh. have them in the fridge for whenever someone's there to eat them. Oh, it's the best. That's the, that's the Faustian pact is the, it's eternal eggs, but they're only ever deviled eggs, which for Faust is on theme and he points that out every time. And 
even though I really like deviled eggs, if I were to really sort of pinpoint my best egg, my best one from eggs, it would be deviled. But an eternity of deviled eggs, which Faust being Faust, fucking prick, is he's probably set it up so it's all like an eat, like full stop as well. Well, yeah, that's it. The only egg you ever get to have is deviled, but you get to have deviled eggs forever. Forever. But then I'm like, oh, I'm, I won't, I won't eat deviled eggs now. I'm sick of them. I'm going to go and have a hamburger, and then I'll go to like the hamburger shop, and the, and I'll say one hamburger, please, and they say, sorry, did you say deviled eggs? Because that's all you can eat forever. And then I'll be like, oh, Faust, you, oh, this is a real gotcha. Faust loves it. He loves deviled eggs. And he loves devil's food cake. And that's not my joke. That's the Crows 3's joke. Because David Boreanaz plays a devil worshipper who proves he's a devil worshipper in the Crow 3 by eating the devil food cake. Here's another idea. Faust MD. Ooh. Right? I'm already on board. You take the Faust story and, and, and you, you apply the House MD Sherlock mystery formula <laughs> to that, right? <sighs> and so Faust just has made a deal with the devil to live forever until all crimes are solved. Oh. And he works in a hospital. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. My God, if, if you'd pitched this about eight years ago, like David Hyde Pierce, I think he's oh. a little... He's a little aged out. Like, he'd actually be a good Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he'd be a good Satan who also sort of, when he's on Earth, he moonlights as, as the hospital ward, warden, the superintendent. Yeah. No, he's the janitor. He's the janitor oh, on the ward. even better. Yeah. <sighs> so welcome to Podquisition, everyone. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> it's that, sh- that show where we tell you whether your favourite ga- video games are great or perfect. <laughs> I legitimately forgot that's what we were here to talk about. Like, not even for a joke this week. I said th- I said that then, because I had to get it in within the first 15 minutes mm. or I will get killed. Like, ev- ev- everyone who listens to this podcast will be like, oh, pitchforks and talks. It's been, it's been 15 minutes and Laura hasn't told them video games exist. <laughs> well, I mean, as... as- as has been demonstrated, you need to do it because I will just... The moment I get chatting about eggs, I will just forget video games exist. Well, the whole thing just gets scrambled up. Mm. And, and, you know, it's really good of Laura to sort of poach the conversation. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we... <laughs> so... So, uh, there's, there's this whole bundle of games that I've been playing a bunch of this week. I'm going to just start talking about some games I've played. Cause... Yeah, just talk for the shell of it, why not? Yeah. Oh, you got me. You got me. Uh, Yeah, so if anyone missed it this week, uh, itch.io, which is a place that you can get a bunch of video games, primarily a lot of indie games, uh, put out a bundle of games that is called the Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality, and they keep adding games to it. It is over a thousand games right now for a minimum $5 donation to charity. Um... There's some real fucking good games in mm. in that bundle. Uh, have Have either of you been checking out what's in there? Yeah, I mean, I, I of course immediately bought it. Yeah, yeah. And and well, one of the first things that I, a few weeks ago I was talking about tonight, we riot. The game's been out a mm. little over a month. Pixel Pushers Union Five Twelve said, "Screw it," tossed it in there, and I. Like, I already had a tremendous amount of respect for them as a developer and a company, but to Mm. put your basically brand new title out while it's still in its early prime earning period 
and effectively give it away for for this cause. Um, I mean, they probably got a customer for life from me. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a real, real good move from a real good game. Yeah, um, I, I'd already purchased it outside of the bundle, but. Um, it being in the bundle reminded me it was a thing I needed to get round to, and I finally got round to playing it this week. And yeah, you're right; that's a real fucking good video game. Mm-hmm. I I love that it is completable in a single sitting. Yes, like it 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 is all too rare that you can sit down and just have a full experience in you know four or five hours and be done with it. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it it, it doesn't wear out its welcome in that time. It does a yeah. decent enough job of introducing new elements as it goes along to sort of keep you on your toes and and change things up. And then it, it ends at an appropriate length. Yeah. And if you want to go back and like clear up some challenges, cool, but you know, four or five hours you're in, you're out, and it feels like you've had a satisfying meal. Yeah. It's not literally nothing is wasted in that game. It is everything it introduces. It keeps around for just long enough, and then goes okay. Something new. Let's keep let's keep it going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is respectfully be time. It's a real well made video game. Well, one of the ones that you suggested in the bundle that I did check out, and I want to make sure I've got the name of this right because it is uh, a name for sure. Uh, Extreme Meat Punks. Is this Forever. Extreme Meat Punks Forever? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a fucking title. That. Yeah, and and an interesting game. I, I mean, I will admit. I didn't play too much of it, mm. and I found it disorienting in the experience because of mm. the way its visual design and, and tech narrative presentation is. Um, it's very rough, and that's fine. But it is it is very indie. It is very very indie, and uh, some of that, like they do a lot of big text on sort of. Uh, High contrast, not high contrast, but kind of muddled, complicated backgrounds. And it's just, it's almost, look, I had to step back away from the screen. I didn't personally have an issue with that, but I can, I can see, I can see what you're, what you're getting at. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, I don't want to crap on it either. You know, it is just, but it's one of those things that was like, oh, okay, this is very, very indie. Uh, But it, it, the writing is good. Mm. Yeah. So should we should we talk about the premise of what this thing is? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like a it's like a near future or I don't know how near future it's supposed to be, but it M- most of society still kind of exists as it does today, but there's also like big sprawling wastelands and like meat Gundams. Yeah. Me- and that, those I, and I don't quite get the I didn't get very as I say very far into it, so I don't yeah. quite grasp the meat aspect of the meat punk uh, <laughs> but yeah i mean they're you know gunners and the writing's very evocative when you're climbing into that mech for the first time yes. and it's describing the process of interfacing with it uh it's really intense and and written in a very curt direct style which uh, i think some people might look at as not being particularly fa- refined but i think feels really really perfect for what they're trying to do here it it, it was exactly what i wanted out of a game yeah. like this um so yeah so the, the general concept is you play a group of four diverse young adults who basically get in a fight defending themselves from a fascist who's picked a fight with them 
oops, turns out that fascist's dad is the the main cop in town. Fuck, you've got to go on the run slightly in your meat max. Um, and it's just this sort of almost cr- like cross-country road trip about fighting fascists and bonding while also sort of unraveling the weird world that everything is in. And the gameplay itself, it, like when you're actually playing something as opposed to advancing text and doing conversation dialogue trees, yeah. is kind of interesting too. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's a real sort of, you, you control a mech in a top-down view and you can move them with uh, arrow keys and aim with mouse and then they they have a punch and then every mech has some other special ability that's used with mouse too. That might be something like you can teleport or you get a dash or you can kill off your momentum entirely or I think one of them is you can do like a really strong hit but then you, you are knocked out and completely vulnerable for a few seconds. And then and then and it's like a one-on-one duel-type scenario, or it's a duel-type scenario where you have a mech that you're up against, and you have your punch, and you're trying to basically push them out of the arena, ultimately. Mm. And there's yeah. knockout effects and status effects that can be inflicted on on enemies and on yourself. And so there's actually a for what at first glance seems really, really simplistic. There actually are quite a bit of mechanical layers operating underneath it as well. I think, uh, yeah, so it's 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 part visual novel and then it goes into these, these mech combat segments. I will say, I think the mech combat is infinitely better in the latter half of the game than it is in the first. Um, mm-hmm. There is a fundamental problem, I think, with the design of the early combat sections, which is... Um, imagine like a square environment and you're trying to knock uh, this enemy out of out of the, the, the box. In the early sections, only one of the four walls of that square will be like a wall you can knock them out of. And I think they did that because they were trying to go like, hey, there's more safe walls that you can't get knocked out of. The player probably won't get knocked out. In practice, those early levels... You have to spend time kind of kiting enemies away from the wall and getting behind them so Mm -hmm. you can hit them in the one direction that's okay. And I don't think that is good for the game. I think when you get a little further in and you start getting more open environments where more of the walls are open areas that you can knock the the enemies out of, I think the game plays a lot better. Um, And I think, additionally, they do more interesting stuff with the narrative branching and being less of just click through the fairly linear narrative uh it, it's like maybe a four hour a four hour game it, it felt lengthwise about the same as tonight we riot and mm-hmm. i think i think it's worth pushing through the the early couple of hours if you're finding it interesting because it does if you've if you've got enough there to find it interesting it gets better as it goes it, it trends upwards um but yeah I, I it is a little rough around the edges in places like you go into this with the caveat of this is an indie, indie-ass indie game. But also, I can't really compare it to anything else. Um, they go some really interesting places with the with the sort of meat mech stuff, the sort of organic nature of these kind of visceral mechs that they're inhabiting. Um, and I agree that, that you, you were talking about how good the writing is the first time you, you hook into that, that, that mech. Mm-hmm. Um, the deeper you go into the game, they keep using those very descriptive connecting to the mech moments as ways to deliver really good 
character development and it, it's a really strong tool for getting a sense of where this cast of characters is at yeah it, it's maybe four four hours or so long um there is a sequel that got funded on kickstarter very recently and i was doing a bit of research um for the sequel they have paid a, a different studio to help them improve make the mech combat better mm-hmm. um and they're like they've basically gone. Hey, the first game did well enough, and we've got the Kickstarter. We can afford to make the the the, the continuation feel a little less indie. And I'm excited to see where that goes because I love the co- the core concept of it. Yeah, the concept's great, and you know it has some real rough edges on it, but there's um there's meat on those bones, and yeah, yeah. I'd I'd like to see them get an opportunity to refine it further. Yeah. It is it is definitely one that if you've got that bundle, I think is worth giving a try. Yeah. Um did you play anything else from from in that bundle, Conrad? Um I mean I there's a lot of stuff in there that I have played um in yeah. the past, but um I'm just... they, they added Celeste the other day to it. Oh did they? Wow, okay. Yeah, That's... Celeste is in there now apparently. Yeah, you know, I mean Nuclear Thrones in there, I'm you know, well known as a uh a fan of Lambeer. Um, minutes in there. Oh, minute! We've talked about minute on this show before. Talked minute, about minute is a lot. Good. Yeah. Uh, let me see. What else here? Actually, you know, it's it's interesting. The the games. There were so many games added to it that uh, Spencer Hayes, um, who uh, Jim and I both know fairly well, I think. Um, uh, but he's now over at uh, Itch.io, and he had to mm. create a curated list. Just to not overwhelm people, and even it is, I mean... Yeah, I I went through all the games on that list the other day and downloaded about 40 at once that seemed interesting, and I'm trying to work my way through them. So, like, I've got, like, maybe seven or eight games this week to very quickly run through, some of them, you know, more in-depth than others, but I'm... I'm trying to try a lot of these things because suddenly it's like, well, they're here. I might as well see what they're like. Yeah. I haven't gotten it yet, but it's it's one of those things that sounds like, like, you'd be silly not to get it. Yeah. You'd be silly not to get it. Like, it's, I've got to, I'm going to have to pick it up. Yeah. Um, what, one game that I was really excited to get trying, which I, I finally gave a bit of a play today, is a game called Lena's Inception, um, which is a sort of, Top-down classic Zelda style game is sort of linked to the past era Zelda. Um, it is procedurally generated, um, but they, it, it's one of those procedurally generated games that doesn't. It doesn't feel obvious where they've you know placed the, th- the pieces together. It, it feels like a, a nicely curated experience in terms of I got this item, it sort of leads me to here, and that sort of naturally takes me through the world. Um, there's some wonderful, fantastic music and boss design in there. I get the impression it's it's not the longest Zelda-type game in the world. It is probably two two decent sittings you could have it have a run of it completed. Uh, but it has a lot of modes built into it to try and extend that playability. There are daily seeds for the uh, for the procedural generation, so you can play like the the version of the game that's available today. There's a bunch of challenge modes with various difficulty stipulations laid on. There is uh, you can play the entire campaign in co-op, which is really nice. Narratively, it does some interesting stuff with basically you you are taking on the role of the Link esque hero because. 
they got killed two minutes into the first dungeon accidentally, something they didn't see coming got them, and now it's like, oh shit, well, someone's got to keep going. Uh, Does a lot of stuff with glitching out the environment and trying to undo computer game visual corruption layered onto a Zelda-type game. But yeah, it's, it's it's a nice tight, playable sort of Zelda clone that doesn't rely on just doing the Zelda weapons that you get in all the dungeons. It has its own ideas for, for the sort of moves you get. Again, it's it's worth trying if you've got that sort of Link to the Past-esque itch. Uh, I actually I played something this week that has some of that similar inspiration Ooh. vibe, um, which is uh, Moonlighter. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is sort of... I don't know if people are familiar with Reseteer, which uh, hmm. several years back, it was a, a game where you ran a shop in a fantasy land and then would go dungeon crawling or whatever to get the things to sell in your shop. This is that same concept, just presented as a Zelda, you know, from a Zelda style design influence. So the dungeons are all procedurally generated and you know square rooms grid movement then you bring the stuff back in and you have an expanding shop over time and you get to add other shops to the community that provide you resources that make the dungeon crawling easier it's beautiful visually it just the the visual design is great the combat feels pretty good the game is ultimately pretty shallow and repetitive and that doesn't necessarily bother me. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm kind of okay with that, but I don't think most people probably would because this doesn't really feel like it's going anywhere or doing anything. I'm just (laughs) going into another dungeon. I'm fighting uh, another set of enemies that a couple of them might have new behaviors, but more or less they act like the enemies in the dungeons before. Um, you f- there's, I think, four, three levels to each dungeon, and the f- bosses, there's one on every floor, and the first one is relatively simple. The second one is that same boss again, maybe with one or two new moves and a lot more health. And then the third one is a different boss encounter type in- thing entirely. So, I mean, it's hard, f- I can't, I had a hard time recommending it, right? Uh, I do think it is beautiful. I think it has very good music. Um, the animations are great. The combat is acceptable. You do get a you know a decent variety of weapon types to select from and build. I, in the end, there's something like sixty equipable weapons, and you know, so fine. That's all fine. But you know what you're doing in the first two hours. That's what you're gonna do the whole experience yeah and so if you're not into fiddling around with price values to maximize how much you get without pissing off people in town and fighting the same enemy types over and over again to get stuff uh probably not for you but i don't know i'm still playing it still i'm having fun um Hmm. i just i have a lot of patience for crap like that yeah what about you jim what have you been playing this week not a lot yeah, ain't been doing much. Ain't been doing much game playing. Been doing other things, more important things like nothing really. 
Here's, here's me thinking you were about to come out with something to be like, ah, and now I feel I feel like I have, I've done a bad by playing video games. Yeah, like no. I was wasting my life while Jim was off, but no. No, no, I was <laughs> just sitting around. <laughs> just been sitting around really feeling sorry for myself. Feeling sorry for everyone else. I mean, can't blame you. <laughs> I mean, you know. You know. You know. I I attempted to play a game called Liberated, which is out on all the systems. It's a side-scrolling shooter that takes the form of a comic book, which means there's comic book panels everywhere. And I thought it would be some fun little, you know, smash-the-system kind of game, but it's a mediocre smash-the-system kind of game, which is a shame. Um, all black and white. Um, all masks and hackers and police states and all the things that, you know, make it look pretty relevant and everything, especially right now, but, uh, and certainly to my interests. Um, but it's just very slow. And there are certain side scrolling shooters where when you use the right stick to do aiming, even though there's a big long, uh, laser sight coming, going from your gun it still feels really wobbly. It might just be um, on the Joy-Cons, because I'm playing it on the Switch, but it just it feels too shaky. I hate the shooting in it. And, mm. and yeah, it's just a very sluggish sort of... You know, the, the type of um, puzzle platformer reaction kind of thing... That that it it's it, it's more action oriented than something like Limbo, but it's sort of got that um, that presentation to it. Yeah, and the writing's very, very cliched, very cliched, very. Uh, oh, look at us! We're the the freedom fighters. Here's the hacker. He's the best we've got. He's a bit arrogant though. I'm like, is he now? You don't say. <laughs> the genius hacker's a bit arrogant, is he? Mm-hmm. You're the leader one, are you? You're just the leader. Yeah, okay. Any other but no, just the leader. Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, just very by the numbers. By the numbers, freedom fighter stuff. Um, which was a shame. And I played more of Bioshock on the Switch for some reason. Um, I talked about that on uh, the one... The One Man Turkey Boy uh, podquisition special that came out <laughs> at the weekend. Um, and I said that I didn't really have any bugs to report, but I forgot that literally the last time I'd played it, I couldn't move the right stick. <laughs> I literally couldn't see. I couldn't, I couldn't control the camera the last time I was playing Bioshock on the Switch. Um, you could move around, just couldn't aim and look and, sh and, and everything. That sure does sound like a bug. Yeah, and I tried playing it for quite some time. I was at the Dr. Steinman fight, and I was just running around backwards <laughs> and to the right and left trying to keep him in shot. And I actually killed him and kept playing for an hour, and then the game crashed, and there had been no auto-saving, so... So I had to do all of that again and then played some more and then it crashed. And so I've, I've fought Steinman three times is what I'm saying. It's not very good. That's a shame. From from what I've experienced now, it's it's I've had crashes and, and bugs and, and everything. It, it runs, you know, more or less fine, but it's mm, it's not it's not run great. 
My experiences with with Bioshock Infinite were better. I've not tried Bioshock 2 yet. I was going to go through Bioshock 1 again, but I don't think I'm going to bloody bother. I've played it like a thousand times. What's the point? It's not even a very good game. No game is good. It's, that's a new decree I've decided now. Of course no game is good. They're all great or perfect. Yeah. All games are cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way. Mm. Um... So a couple of videos I've been intimate, intimating a sort of anti-cop sentiment. What? Um, I just want to say, like, because people have been sort of... Some people have been upset by that, and I just want to say that um, I, I fully acknowledge that I have offended some people by intimating that I think all cops are bastards. So anyway, Bioshock Infinite works uh, okay <laughs> in my experience. Yeah? Um, but those are really the, the only games I've been playing. I, I swear there's something coming out soon that's got my attention, though, but I cannot bloody remember for the life of me. Oh, I mean, Deadly Premonition is officially one month away. Deadly Premonition Mark. 2. Mark. Yeah. Mark. I want it. As of our recording today, in one month, we will all be playing Deadly Premonition 2. We, I, I, I should probably chase up the PR people about that and go, hey, can I get that? Yeah, yeah. In less than one month, hopefully, all three of us will have played <laughs> Deadly Premonition 2. Let me just say to, to all of the, the Deadly Premonition fans out there, once again, you're welcome. Thank you, Jib. Thank you. It's not me taking credit. It, that's not me taking credit for it. That's me reporting the credit that was given to me by the people working on Deadly Premonition 2. Thank so, God for Jim for Deadly Premonition 2. Mm, bless you, my child. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, uh, so I played a few other things from that, that itch bundle. Um, of varying degrees of, of, you know, some of them I can just throw a title out and be done with it, but mm-hmm. one that was a, a bit more um, substantial that I played was uh, Demo- a Democratic Socialist Simulator. So I I was a bit cautious when I saw this one. I was like, how much is this going to, you know, play this as a joke? But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting, you know, well put together game. It, the interface is like a sort of cute animalized uh, like Tinder system. It's one of those um, a bit like um, what's the the game where you play uh, king or queen sort of swiping left or right on policies? Um, Reigns is that what it's called? Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. But you are you are the president of the United States, basically trying to. F- you've got a couple of meters you're trying to manage by making various policy decisions. You are trying to uh, get more power to the people and basically enact policies that are things like, you know, dismantling uh, ownership of corporations that they are owned by the workers and reduce uh, pollution so that the planet doesn't burn alive. But you're trying to balance that with keeping enough enough of the public on board with what you're doing that you don't just get voted out of office and stop being able to push through those positive ideas. Yeah. Um, and not completely bankrupt yourself by trying to do them all straight away the second they come up. Question. Yeah? Can you just not bother dealing with any of the problems and still somehow win? Because that seems to be the <laughs> best strategy from what I've seen. <laughs> Um, I did the opposite the first time I played. I was like, fuck the budget. I'm going to say yes to all of the good policies. Let's defund, let's defund the military and defund the cops and use that to pay for Medicare and like uh, single payer healthcare. And let's, you know, I was doing all of the right shit and I got like, I barely, I, I got it, I got like to the midterms in my first like, 
I got like two years in and was like, hey, everyone loves you, but the economy, like, um, there is no money to pay for all the things you're doing, and uh, th- that has turned enough people have been convinced. It's not that like the country is actually you know having any problems. The country's doing great, but you've put the 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 budget so low that the the right wing people can go. You've destroyed the country. We th- th- the number went down. The number went down too much, and the people were willing to listen to that and go. Well, the country is better, but the number did go down. It went down too low. Mm. Which was frustrating, but depressed. You know, seemed yeah. weirdly plausible. The people who made this game clearly believe that, like, hey, all of these are very important policies that we do need to do. And I think what it's trying to get across is that whole notion of, hey, these are all incredibly important things, dot, 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 that unless, you, unless you're doing things in the right order, like defunding the things that... America is wasting its money on before you then try and funnel that money into the positive, you know, uh, changes to the country. Y- you have to do it that way around. You have to be finding ways to build up the budget before you can invest in a bunch of, you know, wind turbines out at sea and proper mental health care in the country. It's trying to work out the order of operations to do things that that will be like, we, we can afford to fix things, but we have to... We don't need that much money for the military. We just don't. I uh, don't know. How else will we fight protesters, Laura? <laughs> if we don't have a military, that's what they're there. How else will we fight our own citizens? <sighs> yeah. I got the impression that this was going to... That this game had probably been written by the, the right kind of people when right at the beginning, before the game's even properly started, you have one of those swipe left or right things that's like, hey... Let's let's see if you've understood what you're supposed to be doing here, and you've got Black Lives Matter on one side and All Lives Matter on the other, and the game just being like, it's like we, mm, you want no, no, do do not fucking dare click over there. This is the answer. <laughs> I like that. She's like, okay, <laughs> I uh, I need to give it a few more playthroughs, but I I I played through to the first time that I got booted out of office and was like, this is putting all of the correct positive ideas about how to improve society on. the the table but in a way that's like hey you've you've got to do certain things before you can't just jump straight to all of the things that you have to spend money on until you take the money away from the places that it probably shouldn't be that was that was pretty interesting uh other games i played through i played a bit of a, a short little um autobiographical game called Escort Yourself Out. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because it's a really small, short game, but it is a game about coping in situations that have triggers for uh, for trauma and for PTSD, navigating situations where you know things will cause trauma to resurface and how you get through those situations. Uh, it does something really interesting with personifying it as uh, a person looking after their own younger self, trying to protect them from getting hurt. It's a little rough around the edges, but there's definitely something interesting being portrayed with its its mechanics. Uh, there's a game called the puzzle g- that puzzle game everyone knows about, but I can't call it that for legal reasons. It's Tetris. It's it's Tetris, but the Tetris blocks have happy faces on them, and the Tetris music is played on a kazoo. So if you want Tetris on PC, that's in that bundle. No. Except, except it's that puzzle game everyone knows about, but I can't call it that. Yeah. And I played a little bit of a game called Interactivity, the Interactive Experience, which I saw that name and I groaned a bit. I was like, is this just going to be really tackily, you know, trying trying to be too meta about itself? And I mean, it... 
I found it better than I expected it to. Um, it's one of those games that clearly came in the post-Stanley Parable era of, we're going to have you first-person explore a fairly mundane environment looking for ways to push the boundaries of what you can get away with, and it'll slowly become weirder and weirder as, as you go off the beaten track and as you try and push to do things the game clearly doesn't want you to do. It's definitely not as in-depth or as well thought out as something like the Stanley Parable, but if you've got an itch for that kind of game, it is a short little one of those. So yeah, I think that's I think that's most of the stuff I've I've tried so far from that itch bundle. The only other thing I've been playing is I, I went back and started replaying the original Xenoblade and um, Minato Boy is just as fucking satisfying as it ever was. Minato Boy! Minato Boy! Do you want to know the secrets of the Minato? Oh, is that what you want, dear boy? <laughs> that game's voice acting oh, continues tell me to... if you run down to the corner and get me chicken and chips for two pounds. <laughs> it's... That game's voice acting is is the perfect level of terrible. Like, it's... It is great. I fucking love its nonsense. Oh, yeah. It's I I've been tempted to go and and play the the re-release, but I I don't I just don't know if I've got it in me. I enjoyed it when I played it the first time. Yeah. But I don't know if I've got the energy to do it again. I here's the thing. I I've been wanting to go back through the narrative more than I've wanted to do the level grinding again. I can point you in the direction of there is a very easy area you can slightly glitch into early in the game that will bump you up a whole bunch of levels that will mean you don't have to worry about. You can just have a real fucking easy time for a while and just go back through that story mm -hmm. if that's the thing you want to do, which I may have done to sort of speed up my replaying of that game hey you've got nothing to prove you've got nothing to prove to it yeah i, I played it once before mm -hmm. i i i will skip i will skip my character up 20 levels above where they should be in two minutes just so that i can you know breeze through for a bit that actually does sound really good most rpgs should have that not even on a re-release it should be just it, it should be like fuck it look we know what we've done yeah it's because there's this thing with xenoblade where like when you find a new area, you get experience points for it. And basically, if you can trick yourself into finding a late game area that you shouldn't have gone to yet, it gives you so much experience. It's like, fuck it. Okay, fine. You are. You, you, you've gone up to level 50 in, in an instant. Yeah. Have fun kicking the crap out of everything. Every, every RPG should have that. And they should also have the things that the, uh, the Square Enix re-releases have for the old Final Fantasies, where you can speed everything up. Like, ten times quicker. Like, let yourself just go into the menu and go, I'd like to just give my character an extra level or two, please. Just, um, I, I don't want to have to go back and grind. Let me just be slightly stronger on it. Yeah. Like, I, Final Fantasy IX is still my favourite Final Fantasy, but yeah. I'm so glad I can speed shit up. Oh, God, yeah. I... I, I've, I've been finishing... I've been trying to get through the end of um, Dragon Quest XI. I did stick through it after I started playing it a few weeks back, and... Mm -hmm. One of the best things about it is that the combat, you can just set it to like a thousand percent speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't waste my time, games. Let me skim through the nonsense. Yep. Skim through it. Yeah. You don't need to see the same combat animations, The you know, after you've done it 
a thousand times. I mean, as long as these RPGs go, sometimes it can be like that. Knights of the Round. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. 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 Um, so there's a couple of other little bits on the, the docker for this week. Uh, it's one thing I wanted to talk about because I've just been real excited since I saw it brought up. Uh, the Last of Us 2 is coming out real soon, and uh, Naughty Dog's been talking a lot in the last couple of weeks about the fact that it has, like, quite an extensive list of accessibility options, and today they put out a list that was just... Fuck it. Here is every bit of accessibility support we have put in this game and Now look, I I, I know you've you've talked about this on Twitter as well. I know you've talked yeah, it up. Yeah. But I don't think it's gonna be anywhere near as good as the accessibility options in Bioshock Infinite. Because <laughs> when I have to press my eyeball directly onto the Switch screen <laughs> to read any of the text, I know that my needs have been catered to. One hundred percent. But what what does Naughty Dog think it's done? <laughs> I will I will summarize because like go go look up the full list if you want to see this stuff because there is so much I can't like summarize quickly. Um, they have three different presets for different disability related accessibility things that you can then sort of tweak uh, beyond there. They've got one for people who have uh, vision accessibility needs, um, which they they've said that they have built this mode to be robust enough it should work for people who have low vision. Or who are completely blind. Now, this is the one that I'm like really imp- like the ambitious one. I want to I want to give like hands on time with. Uh, but they have stuff like uh, text to speech for everything that is on screen. Uh, they've got a mode that turns everything grayscale except for like you go bright blue, enemies are bright red, interactables are bright green. So like you get a much better sense of, I know what that is, even if I can't see the details of it. I mean, hell, I just might play it that way anyway. Yeah. Because I always struggle with that. Exactly. Um, You can, it scales the HUD up to large. It sets some things to auto-targeting on aiming. Uh, Gives you audio cues for direction for enemies. uh, Assists with things like navigation. um, Makes you... Um, gives you unlimited invincibility while prone, lets you skip certain puzzles. Basically, the aim of it is to make the game entirely playable regardless of your level of vision, which is like, that's that's a wonderful, ambitious thing. Uh, they've got a mode that is geared towards if you are hard of hearing through to completely deaf that uh, translates every single audio cue in the game to something visual. Um, they have a mobility preset that is... Things like uh, the the obvious, like changing repeated button presses to ha- to held buttons, uh, turning off the time requirements on quick time events, um, making it so that you don't have to rush underwater segments, you know, for fear of drowning. So those are just like some presets. They then have like a bunch of customizable difficulty presets as well that. Uh, beyond just your sort of easy, difficult, hard, where you can customize, like, how difficult do you want the stealth to be, the combat to be, the puzzle solving to be, like, really granularly how difficult do you want specific parts of the game to be for you? I mean, just scrolling through this list, you know, yeah. the, the, you know who's really hurt by all of this? Hmm. The people who coordinate speedruns. <laughs> yeah. Because, my God, the number of options that they have here that would dramatically impact the experience of playing the game. And and the willingness to do that when, you know, you have a game that is 
quite clearly trying to have an artistic vision. Yes. To then offer such flexibility to the end user to uh, impact that in these ways. That's I. Yeah. It's bold. Yeah, it is indeed. Like. Some of the stuff that they've done is, like, really specific stuff that I've been asking for for a while. Like, um, they they allow you to completely remap all the controls in-game. Mm-hmm. But one one step that, like, doesn't usually get done they're doing here is you can remap the touchpad controls and the motion controls to be buttons instead. And that is... Usually motions are just like, no, fuck it, you have to do the motion, you don't have an alternative. Yeah. That's really nice. Um... God, yeah, God, I, I'm skimming over so much stuff in this list, but... But you, you almost don't have a choice. It is yeah. so long that... Here, let me let me see. If I just start a scroll from the top and at a rate that I couldn't even... I, I, it's beyond my ability to read, and it is going to take me a full 20 seconds to get through this fucking list. Yeah. Uh, what, one that I'm really happy with is they have a whole suite of stuff for motion sickness... Uh, which is sometimes a thing for me, where they're like, hey, here's, here's like six different settings that you can do to try and minimize motion sickness. Here's a preset for that. Um, God bless. Yeah. Um, but like magnification aids, high contrast. Text-to-speech in multiple languages. Um, if you're not sure where to go, they have a thing that's just like, hey, we will, we will just put a thing that directs you where to go so that you don't have to get lost that'll help you work out where you're going a camera distance i mean yeah for the love of god if every studio had the capacity to go to this degree i would play yeah. so many more AAA games yeah so that this the the, the main thing that i'm really curious about is i i wonder within sony whether this is naughty dog and naughty dog only because, like, I would love to see Sony go, hey, Naughty Dog, can you show us how to, te- like, teach the rest of our first-party studios to yeah. do this? Because I would love, like, you know, Microsoft has the accessibility-based uh, controller, and that is a wonderful step for a- accessibility. I would love to see Sony do this across the board first-party as a way to sort of go, hey, here's, here's what we're doing about getting more people playing. Well, I mean, it's it's... You have... Almost two kind of approaches here, potentially, where Microsoft is mm. focusing on the hardware yeah. end of accessibility, and, and Sony has a real opportunity if they can take what Naughty Dog is doing and get it out with the other first-party studios to have the software approach, which could be, you know, I mean, that's where the real power ultimately is going to be. Yeah. I'm impressed. I would love to see this become... A standard within Sony first party because this is this is what I have been asking for for ages. I would love to see this in some games that I would like to play, as opposed to this one that really doesn't yeah. hold, have a lot of interest for me. But yeah, but I mean, like, let's say Horizon Zero Dawn two yep. or uh, Spider Man PS five or God of War two when that comes out. Like, I would love to see this variety of settings in those games. Yep. And I, I can only hope that Sony takes notice of what Naughty Dog's doing and fucking realizes that they could do it 
as a standard. Yeah, there, there were a, there were a couple of other little bits of news. Um, the PS5 reveal event is happening like the day after we record this, um, but we do know a little bit now about like the differing perspectives of how Sony and Microsoft are approaching next gen. Uh, Microsoft's approach is very much every first party game we make for the next couple of years is going to be on your Xbox One as well. It's going to be a few years before we make any first party games that are just next gen. And Sony is taking the opposite approach and going, no, from day one, next gen games are fucking next gen games. Uh, I don't know if either of you have any f- feelings or opinions on that. No, I, I honestly don't know that it's going to make that much of a difference. I, it, okay, but you know, the, what, when, what, when the leap from one console to the next has been diminished so much by having, you know, interim hardware and and just, you know, yeah. You know, the the, the uh, gradual sort of uh it, maybe lack of imagination might be part of it, but also just the yeah. practical limits of expanding technology. I don't see uh, I don't see how next gen games are going to be so significantly better. Yeah. I I think that's the big thing that tomorrow like Sony really has to show off is okay, if 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 you're saying that like this is such a leap that you don't want to be hamstrung by porting your games to last gen, show us what you're doing that couldn't be done on a PS4 because if if you can't demonstrate that to us, then the problem becomes well, Microsoft is you know, supporting their last generation customers, that's, you know, a better pro-consumer move. If you're not going to support, you know, PlayStation owners the same way, you've got to show us why. Yeah, and and by the time people hear this, uh, that will already, will already know how they did that. Yeah, um, yeah. But that, I think you're right. Um, that's, they have to give a, a reason for people to, well, I mean, just like any other product launch, you have to give a reason for people to want to buy that product and it makes it stand out uh, in in opposition to its competitors. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they will have to justify why taking a full, uh, you know, next gen approach works. Yeah. What? Why? Why is it worth not letting PS4 owners continue to play first party games? Why is that okay? Um. Jim, did you fancy chatting about those couple of uh, industry bits of news that are in the chat? The uh, Ubisoft trying to argue that a subscription for a game yeah. isn't a fucking subscription. <laughs> idiots. Well, I say idiots, and they know damn well what they're doing. They're trying to relitigate the English language again. So yeah, they've they're doing what they did with the loot boxes. And by they, I just mean you know the industry at large, and what they did with the microtransactions as a word, where they just. They're trying to move away now because they don't like the baggage that's attached to these words and for the practices that that they've been doing. So, a new Trials, a remaster um, is coming out for... Is it Trials or Trackmania? Uh, Trackmania. uh, Trackmania, yeah. Yeah, Trials was loot boxes. Trackmania is subscriptions. (laughs) Trackmania um, is getting a remaster, but it's a subscription-based model. To get to the track editor and that, you need to pay, like, I forget what it is, like 10, 20 bucks a year, something like that, like 10 bucks a year. Yeah, I think it's about 10 bucks a year or 30 bucks for, like, multiple years. Yes, yes. Um, If you imagine you'll be playing it, you know, three years from now, then, yeah, by all means. If you imagine... Ubisoft is going to be supporting it three years from now. Well, yes, if they'll be, yeah, if they're committed. Um, so anyway, people criticised this because 
it seems to there seems to be no reason for doing this other than to try and long term scam more money out of people than they would otherwise get from them. So people criticise the subscription, but. Uh, Ubisoft said it's not a subscription. Yeah, what was their wording? It's paying for the game multiple times. <laughs> oh, that's be- that's way better. You pay for the game and then after a, a period of time you pay again, which is not a subscription. That, no, that's not a subscription. That's just theft. I've been trying to work out any, like, being way more favourable than they deserve, trying to understand any interpretation in which that might be true. And the the closest I got is maybe they mean it doesn't automatically renew, therefore it's not a subscription. Because as I understand it, it's at the very least, I don't think it's a recurring payment, it doesn't automatically re-up, but it's basically a fucking subscription. Well, but okay, if they want to say that it's not a subscription, then this utterly lays bare the reality of ownership right to use for software. Yeah. And the way it functions. So if they want to have this discussion, if they want to put it this way, then we now have to reckon with the reality that when you buy Trackmania, you're not buying Trackmania. You are buying a license to play Trackmania for one year. And after that point, if you wish to play more Trackmania, you will have to buy a license to Play Trackmania for one year. Well, you can play Trackmania, but you can't use the the track editor and the shit that people like Trackmania for. So, yeah, I mean, fine. If you want to call it that, we can have a discussion about what it really means for people to buy your games. Uh, But I don't think they want that conversation to happen. Yeah. And also, Ubisoft, bear in mind that you can, like, put as many, like, brains together on this as you can. Any game publisher, like, get, get as many of your marketing people together as you can, right? Come up with a new word to describe subscriptions, to dress it up and, and make it come, like, come out clean without the associated baggage. And then watch me spend the next year and a half destroying that word <laughs> to the point where y'all won't say it anymore. Yeah, it's a fucking subscription. <laughs> Um, and the other one was, uh, do you want to, do you want to talk about Take Two and what they've fucking been up to? Take Two destroyed studio again. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember now because this was last week, and I can't remember things. Um, I can only remember the egg pod. Oh yes, no. This is the this is the Kerbal Space Program yes, team. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the team were working on Kerbal Space Program too, and then. Um, one day found out they weren't. <laughs> yeah, they they were having they were having negotiations. The 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 heads of the indie studio and Take Two were having basically contract negotiations over how much money was going to go to who. And Take Two seemingly went, we don't want to have these negotiations. What if we just LinkedIn messaged all of the staff and told them that they'd been fired, but that they could come work for us instead, in the hopes that they just kind of jump ship to us, and then the indie studio falls apart, and then we can make the game ourselves with the staff without having to do the negotiating. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Is that about? I'm gonna clarify the... it a little bit. They didn't. They they did send a message to the LinkedIn employees, basically letting them know that um, they had decided to end the contract developing Kerbal Space Program 2, which is effectively a death sentence for the studio. Yeah. Um, and and the, the – and I'm sorry, I don't have the name 
here up in front of me of, of the developer. They did try to get some other things going and keep things afloat. Um, but in, in the article um, that sort of exposed this story, mm. uh, you know, within a couple of weeks, you know, a huge percent of their percentage of their staff had uh, left and gone to take two. And, yeah. you know, I mean, they literally slaughtered the studio and then picked its bones clean to continue to do the same thing that they were already paying to do and just bring it in house and take control of it. It's fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. Indeed it is. This is what any small company is looking at when it gets into bed with a big one. Yes. Like, you can have a negotiation with one of these fucking predatory entities and you might make plenty of money if they decide at any point that there's a good opportunity to kick you out and and get your share yeah they will annihilate you i said in the video using a terrible analogy that you know you can put your head in a lion's mouth and have a debate with it but that debate lasts as long as the lion's mouth stays open. Yeah. You're you're there at their discretion, and they can kill you at any point. Mm. Oh, the best part, though. What was the fucking name of their, their Take-Two's new team? Intercept? Intercept. That- yeah. Very subtle, I thought. <laughs> they're, they're shit. And I feel really bad for this company in Japan, Kyoto, who I just saw this news that they have made a Japanese murder hornet toy. It looks really good, but the poor fuckers thinking we'd give a shit about murder hornets by August. It's not coming out till August. We don't care about murder hornets now. I might get one. It looks really cool. Ah, uh, I th- I think that's What's it. What happened to them? What the murder hornets? Yeah, are they just like chilling until the election's over, and we think it's all done for the year, and then at like Christmas Day, the murder hornets are just hanging behind a tree. Like, I mean, it would be a real dick move to to go for them now. Like, let's let's give them a minute. Yeah. Or they did they just saw the way the cops were behaving, and it made them reevaluate <laughs> themselves. Just you know what. I think we we've been a bit harsh now. Let's, let's be We're the bigger just, hornets. Be the bigger hornets. <laughs> We're going home. Uh, I think that's everything for this week. Yeah, I think, I think we did yeah. it. Yeah, Laura, me. People might want some more content. I mean, they constantly do. They're voracious. It's never ending. Um, how can we continue to satisfy that unsatisfiable hunger? Uh, check out Laura K Buzz in all of the places: YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, one thing that I am making a big song and dance about right now is. Every Friday, I am putting up videos in a series called Accessibility, which is being edited by Justin, who edits this podcast and the Jimquisition videos. Uh, It is a sort of edited um, video show about video game industry accessibility and representation. It's a good show. I'm real proud of it. Uh, We have an episode going up this Friday uh, about the how the future of video game difficulty needs to be customizable difficulty. Um, so that is going up on Friday. You should check that out. Um, other than that, laurakbuzz.com, everything ends up there. I've got some books, Uncomfortable Labels, that's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. There is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is coming out on February 4th, 2020, assuming that the virus doesn't delay things any further. Uh, and... 
maybe early next month, look out for information about another book, perhaps. <gasps> yeah, I know. I'm fucking... I apparently can't stop writing fucking books. Um... Other than that, there's podcasts, there's Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game character pornography. There's Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. And there's Dice Funk, where we play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. Every season's a self-contained story. Uh, season seven is set in a sort of post-apocalypse, and I am part of... Conrad's sex cult in season seven. That's right. You sure are. It's very, very hot. Um. It's it's if if you've ever wanted to picture like a a hot man with no shirt on, you know, getting getting sexy with a mantis lady. Oh, we've got a podcast for you. Boy, are are you ever covered? Uh, You can also find me on Twitter (laughs) at Conrad Zimmerman and you can come hang out with me on Twitch. Uh, I do streams usually at least three times a week that's twitch.tv slash that conrad zimmerman uh i make anti-capitalist propaganda that you can buy and wear and pick that up at pinfultruth.com and i record some audio books that you can get at conradreads.com and in addition to this podcast and Dice Funk, as Laura mentioned, I also do some other things with Jim, like uh, Spinoff Doctors, which is, again, totally my fault. Haven't gotten another episode out. We'll get around to that shortly. Thank you very much. Don't blame Jim. And uh, Boston's Favorite Son, which, uh, oh, God, I miss that sweet, sweet boy. We'll we'll try and get yeah. get back in touch with him soon. He's... he's his life hangs on the wind, and he is blown willy-nilly. But, uh, but uh, Jim, you have a Patreon, I think. Yeah, I watched two episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> Neon Genesis Evangelion? Yeah. Make it, 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 it makes you think about bumholes a lot, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, about every five minutes, you're just like, oh, the show's made me think about bumholes again. Um, oh, yeah, patreon.com slash jimquisition. Um, there's no Neon Genesis Evangelion <laughs> content on there, but, uh, you know, there's some videos, Jimquisition and, and whatnot, you know, you're welcome to it. Um, but that's about it. That's about it. We'll see you next time, I guess. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Bye. 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 Sleepy. Want a nap? <laughs>